Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam and I get to serve as the Campus Support Team Director here at South Mountain Community Church. Glad to have you all with us. And with me today in the room, I've got, as usual, Pastor Eric and Pastor Paul ready to go through Galatians with all you guys. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing really well. I really hope that this podcast in this season helps people uh, study the Bible uh, with us. But Paul, you are facing a loss last night. So how are you today? I am. I'm recovering from the Raiders' loss right. to the Chargers. But Pray for Paul. I would say that Derek Carr is sadder <laughs> than I am today because he stunk. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we're happy to be here. Some joy from the gospel will pick you up, Paul. All right. All right. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, uh, for those of you that are, that are joining us, uh, just to remind you from last week, we are now in Galatians chapter 3. Um, as we say, usually we're in the, the NIV is what we're reading from um, and going through a section of chapter 3, which will basically be, be from verse 1 all the way up through 14 is probably what we'll go through today. So we, go, we want to start with just the first paragraph? Is yeah, that... you know, I, I do want to start there, but before we do that, just a bit of review. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, the Apostle Paul is writing to uh, Jesus' followers in the area of Galatia, modern-day Turkey, and he's addressing an approach to Jesus that's Jesus plus something is how you experience justification. And so he's dealing with that. Of course, today, a couple thousand years later, we are tempted to add things on to what Jesus has done, and that's a problem. And so uh, we're dealing with those themes in the book, like the Apostle Paul is dealing with those themes, um, and we're asking a few questions along the way. So whenever it comes to applying the Bible into our lives, uh, of course you have to you know do some observation, do some context, um, draw out some timeless truths, but then we just have nine application questions that we've been working through, and I just thought I'd remind people of some of those. But Paul, do you want to say something before we do? Yeah, if you're... Uh... A, a, a religious establishment, a, a church that is very controlling, uh, authoritarian, and you like your people to do what you tell them to do, and you've convinced them that God won't love them, He won't bless them, uh, He will punish them if they don't do the things that they want. They don't want their people reading Galatians. <laughs> this is the enemy of religion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it'll... That's cool. It will, uh, it'll be the dagger into religion, the dagger into manipulative, manipulative church organizations or systems, and yep. that's why as I love this book. So a few questions along the way as we read, is there a sin to confess? That's always a great question to ask when we read the Bible. Is there a promise to trust? And in Galatians, that's a yes. Mm-hmm. It's constantly talking about the promise that we can trust. Um, is there an attitude to change, a command to obey? Is there an example to follow? Is there a prayer to pray? Is there an error to avoid? There is in this uh, passage mm-hmm. that we're going to read today. Is there a truth to believe? Is there something to praise God for? So those are the questions that help us really apply uh, the text into our lives. And so we're going to pick it up in chapter 3, verse 1. But one thing I want to say, Adam, before we do that is mm-hmm. um, the chapter and verse references in our Bibles today, they're there to help us locate uh, certain things in the Bible. They're mm-hmm. addresses, like on your home, you need an address to know how to get right. to your place. Um, and so those chapters and verses help us do that. But they are not in the original 
text. Um, these original letters were written as one long letter. And mm-hmm. so sometimes the chapter breaks are a bit unfortunate because it's as if uh, we're supposed to stop one thing and pick up a new thing, like in a okay. chapter book. However, yeah. uh, this transition into chapter three, I think the chapter break actually uh, takes some of the punch out of Paul's argument. He's just got done saying in the end of chapter two, if you think of Jesus plus something, uh, if you're adding to it, if you're trying to be justified by some law keeping, you're, you're acting as if Christ died for nothing. And it's almost as if when the Apostle Paul says that, he's going to go deeper into that. If Christ died for nothing, then um, this, <laughs> then we are, the, our approach to following him is, it's a disgrace to what he's done. And so mm-hmm. uh, the Apostle Paul is going to build on that. So we're going to kind of build with him, not let chapter three be a, a big break in the flow, but let the punch continue. It almost, yeah, it's like he turns up the volume. Turns up the heat, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a good way and so his language it. gets even punchier, a bit stronger, because he's thinking, if these people are acting as if Jesus died for nothing, I'm fired up about that. We have to address that. So here we go, cool. chapter three, verse one. All right, so it's, uh, it says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yeah, good stuff. There's a, there's a couple words here that are very interesting. He calls them foolish a couple times, you know? Foolish really has nothing to do with your IQ, by the way. It's mm. your approach to turning a blind eye to what's true. Right. It, it has moral content to it also. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So he calls them foolish, not because their IQ is uh, <laughs> small and they're dumb. He's just saying, look, you guys, you know what's been placed in front of you. You know what we preach to you. Why would you turn away from that? And he uses mm. a word that's very interesting that we don't use a whole lot. He uses the word bewitched. It's a bit mm. of a... He asked a few rhetorical questions along the way in this section, but he says, who has bewitched you? I had to look that word up because I think my mom grew up watching a TV show with that word in it, but yeah, like I've, show. I've never used that word in my entire life. In Greek, it's the word baskino, and um, it's really this idea that something has led you astray or put a spell over you. It's like something has blinded your eyes and it has evil connotations. Something evil has sort of cut in, led you astray, and put a spell over you, because why would you turn from something so good? So he's basically saying, look, you guys, we have a serious problem here. Mm -hmm. You are vacillating between faith and work, and that vacillation is concerning me. It's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Um, If you add add to this, you're going right back to the flesh. So um, that's the the connection he's making. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to make sure that uh, we also do a little clarifying in terms of terms. Uh, The means of the Spirit is just another way to say faith. Mm. <laughs> if you, you those are interchangeable uh ide- you know word word mm. choices or whatever you might want to say. So, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you 
heard? Well, the answer is by believing what you heard. Are you so foolish? After beginning by the mean, by means of the Spirit, that's by faith, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? That's mm. law. Mm-hmm. So you know, just a little helpful, hopefully, <laughs> hopeful yeah. commentary there mm-hmm. so that we all mm-hmm. are on the same page. Yeah. And then I think it's important that in verse 6 it said, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so if you ask the question, how did people get saved in the Old Testament before Christ came to the earth? It's by faith. And mm-hmm. and this last week, we were covering some pretty important material in terms of how the gospel kind of is, is broken out in terms of God created, therefore he could command. Man rebelled. He When man rebelled, he broke trust with God. Mm-hmm. And so now, of course, Christ has rescued, and the important response to that is trust in that rescue. So trust replaces the mistrust. Mm -hmm. And in this case, Abraham trusted, that replaced the mistrust of Adam. Mm -hmm. This is a reversal of trust. Mm -hmm. And so when you break trust, you break a relationship. When you when you institute trust or exercise trust, it brings the or recon, it reconciles that once broken relationship and brings uh, two entities together. Mm-hmm. And so Abraham got saved by faith. Mm-hmm. And so every single person who's ever been saved, it's by grace through faith. That's right. Yeah, I think uh, one of the words we have to make sense of is the word faith. Every time we read it, it's the word mm-hmm. trust. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the Apostle Paul's drawing this distinction, spirit, flesh, or faith, work. Like that is the way we can we can read this. And so once again, you know, I think if you have been around um, Christianity or the gospel for any length of time, it's easy to think, of course we're saved by faith, not works. However, this is a reminder that it's easy to vacillate back and forth. And so sometimes there are moments in my life where I think my works are connected to my righteousness, and it's just a great reminder here in Galatians to to uh, pay careful attention to the way I'm living um, and to be drawn back to the gift of credited righteousness. Yep. Hmm. All right. It's, it's His righteousness that, in a sense, was deposited into my account. It paid my debt. Yeah. You know, I, Paul, I was up late last night working on a message uh, coming up, and, um, you know, sometimes I, <laughs> so, some people often ask, like, how do you, you know, how do you write, and, uh, you know, where do you come up with content? And for me, I have to write when I'm feeling energized. That's, and so that happens sometimes late at night or early in the morning. But uh, this question um, we're going we're gonna to look at in just a few weeks, it's, um, in your life, how are you keeping score? You know, and I think that... Uh, we're, we're all keeping score um, of our lives to know how valuable our, live, our lives are. And so there's a, there's a scoring system we have for our lives. And in that scoring system, um, we can apply the gospel. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, it's really important that as we think of our lives and how do I measure my worth? How do I measure my value? How do I measure my score in life? Mm-hmm. That we're invited now to set aside a law-keeping approach and receive um, the gospel. It's really Jesus' score that becomes ours. And that is so exciting, mm. so joy-producing. I'm, cool. I'm excited to talk about verse 7. Yeah, let's do it. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Now here's the deal. Abraham is credited to being the father of faith for three religions, <laughs> Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. Hmm. But that's not true, because... 
in Judaism and in Islam, it's a works-based religion. Mm-hmm. And so Abraham didn't do anything to earn his salvation or his justification, I right. should say. Right. And and so that statement's not true. The faith systems, maybe, mm-hmm. or mm. three religions. He's their hero. <laughs> yeah. But this passage clearly shows Abraham as the father of faith, the same kind of faith that Christians exercise. That's right. Mm. Yeah, so anyone who trusts, and trust is the pathway to justification, you are in step with Abraham. Mm-hmm. You are doing what yep. he did. And so that's the connection there. Now for us, you know, here in the West, so far removed from these ancient cultures, it's like, Abraham, he's not my hero. Why does Abraham make it into the pages here in mm-hmm. Galatians? But for this audience, it would have meant so much. Oh, huge. He's building, he's saying, look, we already agree that Abraham is significant to us. And how did he experience justification? We all know it was through it was through faith, actually. So mm-hmm. he's really going back to Abraham, building a case with what they already accept. So it's really mm-hmm. a very genius approach to helping them see what they already value uh, in Abraham, and then he's saying, we're all in step with that. So it's important. So Paul, Paul kind of, you know, he, he swings the door open again on his ministry to the Gentiles, and he wants everybody to know, these guys are welcome. Mm-hmm. The non-Jewish community is welcome here. He In verse 8, he said, said, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. I love that. Gospel was right there. Mm-hmm. All nations will be blessed through you. And he's talking about Abraham and Abraham's descendants. And he's talking about Jesus Christ being in uh, being a Jew, and and God blesses all people through Jesus Christ. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So everybody who exercises faith in Christ enjoys the same thing Abraham enjoyed, yeah. credited righteousness. Man, that's good news. I think if someone wanted to go back and study more of Abraham's story, you go to Genesis 12, that's where this pro- promise to all nations is announced, and you could look at Abraham's significant act of trust uh, with his with his son, and uh, Genesis 15, the story uh, goes on. So a lot of great stuff in the book of Genesis there, starting in 12 with, with Abraham. Very cool. Should we move on to the next section then? So verse 10, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Yeah, what a great what a great passage. Um, so much we could break down here. You know, once again, he's building... Uh, common ground. He's referring to these Old Testament passages, these things that they would have had memorized, mm-hmm. um, and he's saying, look, we we already value these things, we trust that these things are already true, and let's just take them and apply them to Jesus. And so he's really doing a great job, the Apostle Paul's doing a great job, of course, with the Holy Spirit working through him to build these connections. Now, it's interesting, the word cursed, um, it's some strong language. Well, you know, I don't know if you guys have a good definition for cursed, like 
You know, the most we talk about this is a curse word, but well, it's just think way of different. The, the opposite of blessing. <laughs> uh, in the old covenant, uh, Moses was told that if your people, you and your people, believe and you worship God exclusively and you don't follow other gods, then you will be blessed with land, with prosperity, and with peace. If you don't, you will be cursed. Mm -hmm. So he con contrasted blessing and cursing in that passage, and uh, you will lose all three of those things. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's where the Syrian captivity and the Babylonian captivity come into play, and you know, Jerusalem's destroyed, and you know, the people lose all their wealth, there is no peace, all that kind of stuff. Exactly mm -hmm. that, what was predicted by, by, uh, by Moses through the inspiration of God. So um, we are told here that those who don't follow the law, don't obey the law, are cursed. And, and really what the law does is, is it exposes our inability to live righteously. That was the measure of righteousness, to obey the law. And so, in a sense, everybody's cursed. You know, Romans 3, 23, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. It's another way of saying that. It's mm -hmm. not a. It's not some sort of like. Well, some people obey the law and other people don't. No, nobody does. Yeah. So mm -hmm. everybody's under the curse of God because of the sin in you, mm -hmm. that then obviously works its way out in your behavior. And so mm -hmm. every single person needs a redeemer. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. want to go the way of law keeping, you have to keep it perfectly. Perfect. And. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think anybody wants to try that. Uh, I certainly mm -hmm. don't want to try and do that. So curse really means to be to be judged by God. Mm -hmm. I mean, doomed sort of is one of those words that would, would work in there. And so uh, Jesus was cursed, so we will never be. That's the heart of the substitution. So here we see substitution come into the pages again. Um, substitution is so important to the gospel, and it's so important to us. We value it highly here. Paul, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, you know... <laughs> Unfortunately, so many people kind of feel like it's just wrong for God to sacrifice His Son on our behalf. Isn't that cosmic child uh, abuse? abuse yeah. yeah. And, and okay, that's one way to think about it. It's not a good way to think about it, since Jesus Christ said, I lay my life down on my own accord, no one takes it from me. Mm -hmm. He did this because He wanted to. Hebrews says that... He went to the cross for the joy set before him. Mm -hmm. Okay, so his choice, his glory. Right. It, it was to his glory that he wanted to do this. He laid his life down. He talks in, in John 15, no one has greater love than this than to lay down their own life for their mm -hmm. friends. I call mm -hmm. you friends. And so obviously Christ did this. And so to try to take away substitutionary atonement from the gospel is weird and wrong. And it's just, and it's only being done because it just feels wrong. Okay, mm. but it's biblical. Now, the the substitute doctrine is Christus victus, and that's this idea that just Christ had victory over sin, Satan, and death on the cross. Isn't isn't that great? And the emphasis on victory. That's that's okay, mm -hmm. and that's good. 
but it doesn't take the place of substitutionary atonement. And I know I'm talking to people that are kind of armchair theologians out there and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff as if anybody else cares, but it's true that this is a messed up deal right now in the church today. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, progressive Christianity is something we're going to talk about at SMCC in the near future. Uh, progressive Christianity uh, sort of waters down this... Um, punishment aspect of the cross. And it's it's really important mm -hmm. that we get it right. See, forgiveness takes something out of your life, but justification places something into your life. And we have to be clear on that, that that Jesus took our punishment, that that's what you know he took from us, but what is placed into our lives, well, it's his perfect record. It's his righteousness. And mm -hmm. you have to have both. So that's the substitution of it all. Our sin substituted to him, his righteousness substituted back to us. So sometimes I ask, and you know this, sometimes I ask a potential hire, mm -hmm. uh, explain the gospel to me. Where did they start? Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Okay, that's not the gospel. Mm -hmm. First of all, God created, God commanded, man rebelled. That's all important too. Mm -hmm. But Christ living a perfect life is a very important part of the gospel. Right. He lived a life that we could never live. Mm -hmm. And so it's a righteous life. If he didn't live a perfect life, then what's credited to, credited to us is less than perfect and therefore not enough for righteousness. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So you have to have that in there. You know, the other thing too about substitution that really uh, leads me to think this is the most appropriate way to view uh, the cross and the gospel is that at the heart, sin is a substitutionary matter. I've substituted myself for God, and now God has substituted himself for me. I think John Stott first drew me to that connection. So mm -hmm. we just looked at Genesis on Sunday in the message. Uh, Adam and Eve said, God, you're not our moral authority anymore. We will substitute ourselves in as the moral authority for our lives. You're not that good. Sin's not that bad. We know better. And, uh, and so at the heart of sin, we see substitution, a rebellion in the relationship, and a, they put themselves before God. Well, now here's Jesus putting us before himself. So substitution is the key theme for uh, the reconciliation. Um, I really like man that. And God. I like that. I, I had never like put it in that kind of mm. uh, phraseology before. The, the mistrust that was exercised by Adam in the garden is replaced by trust in us. The substitution that Adam did in terms of becoming his own authority, substituting mm -hmm. himself where only God belongs, is now reversed when we uh, have Christ take our place into where we belong. We belonged on the cross. We yes. belong. We belonged in a place of pain for our own sin, and He substituted Himself for us. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's a great way to talk about it. We put ourselves where God belongs when we sin. Jesus, Jesus put Himself where we belong on the cross, and that's the connection. So, pretty exciting stuff here in Galatians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, the only thing I was really thinking about um, through this last section, I'll just kind of add this on was. You know, we circling back to talking about being cursed um, and what does that mean? And I think we kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, this idea of when you're living by the law, there's almost this um, almost anguish that you that you're going to be living in. Mm -hmm. If you're going to try and justify yourself, you're in constant. Uh, uh, yeah, anguish. you're you're in the is that enough? 
yeah. land. You're constantly keeping yeah. score. Car- constantly. It's like you yeah. have a scorecard to your life, you know? Like, Paul, uh, you had a scorecard in your car the other day. I have a scorecard sitting on my desk. That's how much we play golf. But it's like you're a, there's a scorecard constantly following you around. Are you under mm-hmm. par? Are you over par? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. And of course, to right. par is comparing yourself to everybody around you. Right. So it creates in you this self-righteous type of approach to life. It's exhausting to constantly keep score yeah. uh, on your life. And uh, if you grew up in religion... It was constantly a scorekeeping approach, mm-hmm. and um, if you if you did well, you had a good score for the day. Great, God's happy with you. And if mm-hmm. you if you messed up during the day, you know what? You have a bad score on the day, and you got to try harder. And if you live your life long enough keeping score, um, your brain is wired to that approach. Yes, it is, and that probably no. describes Utah. That mm-hmm. you are just constantly wired to a scorekeeping mentality. So when people come to SMCC and we invite them to rest in the finished work of Jesus, mm-hmm. it is so uncomfortable for them to do that. I, I this is just true yeah. of me. I'm I'm a pretty like high energy type of guy. I'm I'm very very busy. Just recently, Friday is one of my days off. My wife's at work. My kids are at school. Everything around the house is done. Like I've I've exercised. The the yard is mowed. The dishes are done. I just sit and stare, and it's so uncomfortable because <laughs> I literally, I literally cannot rest. I really struggle to rest. And if you huh. grew up your whole life never resting, always trying to keep score with God, resting in this promise is really hard. But it's the most important thing for someone to do. And so, if you're listening to this, and you know, a scorekeeping approach to life is your is your most comfortable approach to life. Um, we just want you to rest, take a breath. Yeah, I think that that's the part. There's a lot that can be said about kind of like, I call it, you know, the, the, the theology or the heady, I call it heady, I'm putting air quotes around it, parts of, you know, looking at this and understanding the, the, the pieces of it, the things that, you know, we would have, you know, the three of us would have learned in school, right? Like, you know, read books on or stuff, but then the practicality of it is, is that, you know, the law is like we were talking about, yeah, the scorecard, mm-hmm. this anguish, uh, but then the gospel is freedom from guilt and shame and constantly trying to measure up. What a freeing thing that is. And that's one of the first things to realize as part of the gospel is that is like, wow, I don't have to every day wake up and think, how am I going to do on the scorecard yep. today? And that's based on the promise in verse 14. Yep. We, we, you, you went through a great list of questions we can ask. Is there a promise to, to claim? Mm. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's us, through Christ Jesus. And I love these words, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we are promised the Spirit if we exercise the same faith that Abraham had. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So how do I know that I'm saved? I trust that God has saved me, that righteousness mm-hmm. has been placed into my account. That's the faith. It's mm-hmm. trusting it's trusting that. Now, you know, before you... Well, I would say this too, that, that God is good, mm-hmm. that He has my best interests at heart, that He is who He said He is, and that He's done for me what He said He would do on the cross. Those are big, important ideas. And, and so really, our faith, and this is John Piper, it's, it's a fight for delight. Mm-hmm. The fight mm-hmm. of faith is a fight for delight. And this is not a, f- a faith to get saved, but living or walking by faith is to see our life in Christ as more valuable than anything that this world has to offer. Mm-hmm. That's love, the fight we fight every day. I, I love it. I think uh, I think it's so important that we, we understand that, that 
your score in life is not based on what you do, it's based on who you trust. That is mm-hmm. right. And and then and therefore we if we trust Jesus, his score becomes ours. And and therefore this is this is where joy sets in. When you measure your worth, your score in life, when you measure your worth by the work of Christ, you have an immeasurable amount of joy. And because you didn't earn it, you can't lose it. It's fixed. And this is where this is where joy uh, sets in. So, you know, uh, Paul, back to the scorecard illustration. Uh, one time you were with me, I shot 68. Remember that day? Yeah. I, I have that scorecard. You hear Paul's voice? He was so good. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, awesome. I keep that scorecard uh, around. I look at it a lot to remember that day. And um, you know what? When it comes to the score in life, what do we look at? What's the card? Mm. It's the cross. Mm-hmm. We look at the cross to measure our score. That's that's it. And um, you know, I keep my score cut around to remember our sixty-eight, but uh, my sixty-eight. But uh, I, we just look at the cross to remember mm. the score, and um, that is where joy sets in. And I think the, if the Apostle Paul were here, he'd say, "That's what I wanted the Galatians to do midway through the book." All right, they were bewitched. They were looking at a different scorecard. Mm. I had to draw them back to the score that's found um, in the gospel. So there you go. That's where we are. Hey, Eric, let me just add this, that uh, the Bible also says that to whom has been given much, much is required. So you've been given a lot of skills on the golf course. <laughs> 68, that's your par now. Yeah, no, I've never been close to that. Never been close to that ever since. Uh, excellent, guys. Well, I'm glad that we got to take another piece of Galatians and and pick up on some some truth and some promises that we can hold on to. And so glad that we can bring this to our listeners. And for those of you that are listening, thank you for being here today. We're real excited to continue this journey with you. And we will see you again next week. Take care. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.